Welcome back to Lethal. Let's talk about death row inmates. This week, I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. This week, I'll be covering a Texas death row inmate. I'll be covering Abel Ravila Ochoa. He was convicted for murdering his family. Before we jump into the case, let's go over some facts. I'll be talking about Captain Joe Bird Cemetery, also known as Peckerwood Hill. The cemetery is about 22 acres. This is the largest prison cemetery in the state of Texas. The cemetery was known as the Peckerwood Hill because the term was given by inmates. Perkerwood refers to inmates who were poor. The state would bury inmates at this cemetery if their body was not claimed and if the inmate died while incarcerated. Before 1974, no records were kept of the inmates buried at the cemetery. In 1962, Captain Joe Bird was the assistant warden at the Walls Unit. He was in charge of the maintenance for the cemetery. The cemetery was not maintained. The grass was overgrown, so Captain Bird came in to clean up the cemetery. Early graves were marked with only a wooden cross, and according to TexasPrisonMuseum.org, those graves that could not be identified were marked with a simple white concrete cross. There are 312 such graves. Some graves that were identified were marked with the inmate's prison number on the cross. Captain Bird was able to locate over 900 graves. As of January 1st, 2001, there are 1,970 known graves in the cemetery. Inmates who die in the Texas prison system are buried here if no one claims the body. If the family does not want to take responsibility of the body, the state will be responsible for the burial cost. Current funeral costs are approximately $2,000 per inmate, and funerals take place at 8.30 in the morning, Monday through Thursday. Sometimes family or friends will show up, but sometimes no one will show up. A chaplain of the Walls Unit leads the graveside services. The Walls Unit warden or designated officer and inmates working on the grounds will attend the funerals if no family or friends attend. The cemetery is open to the public and is very well maintained. All right, now that I got the background covered, let's jump into the case. So once again, I have a glass of wine and I'm ready to jump into the case. This week, I'll be covering inmate number 999-450, Abel Ravila Ochoa. He was executed February 6, 2020 at the age of 47 in Huntsville, Texas by lethal injection. He was execution number 569. I'm not sure where he is buried. His family could have claimed his body or he could be buried in the Captain Joe Bird Cemetery. This case starts in 2002, but let's go back a couple years. Abel married a woman named Cecilia in December 1993. They settled down in South Dallas, Texas. They were married for about nine years. Cecilia was a sixth grade teacher at a private school in Dallas. Two years before the murders occurred, Abel started to smoke crack cocaine. Crack cocaine is a drug also known as crack or rock. It can be smoked and it is highly addictive. Once he tried the drug, his drug use escalated quickly. He would take money from his wife and go as far as to take loans to buy drugs. Months leading to the murders, Abel quit his job that he had for 11 years. 
Abel attempted to quit smoking crack with the help from his family, but continued to use. He hadn't smoked crack for 10 days before the killings. But Sunday, August 4, 2002, the family went to church together. After the church service, Abel asked Cecilia for money to buy crack. He was able to convince her for money. She gave him $10. He bought $10 worth of crack and smoked it in their backyard while his family hung out together in the house. Cecilia's sisters came over for family time. When Abel was done smoking, he walked inside the house, walked past his family inside, never said hello, walked to his room, and laid down. Cecilia came into the room telling Abel how rude he was for never saying hello to her family, but he claimed he didn't want them to see him in that state. Abel stayed in the room for 20 minutes. During this time, he was contemplating on asking Cecilia for more money so he could buy more crack, but he knew what she would say. Abel grabbed his 9mm Ruger and walked to the living room. He shot Cecilia, their 9-month-old daughter, Anahi, Cecilia's father, and Cecilia's sisters, Alma and Jackie. Abel reloaded the gun and chased his 7-year-old daughter, Crystal, to their kitchen and proceeded to shoot her four times. Of the six victims, Alma survived. Alma was able to get herself up. She ran out of the house and was crying for help. She was drenched in blood since she was shot. She lost a kidney and spent three months recovering in the hospital. Soon after Abel was arrested, he gave police a written statement. He stated, I quote, I live at address with my wife and two daughters. My wife's father also lives with us. I've had a drug problem for about two years. About two months ago, I spent two months in a drug rehab house. Before I went to the drug rehab house, I was using crack cocaine about once every three to four days. When I came out, I was using the drug only once every seven to ten days. Today, I went to church with my wife and daughters. We left the church at about 2 p.m. and I asked my wife if I could have $10 to buy a dime bag of crack. At first, she did not want to give it to me, but I talked her into it. I drove my wife and daughters to the dope house and I went in and bought a dime bag of crack. When we got home, I went into the backyard and smoked the crack. While I was in the backyard, my wife's two sisters, Jackie and Alma, came over. They all stayed in the living room and talked. After I smoked the crack, I went into the bedroom and lay down on the bed. I had the TV on, but I did not pay any attention to it. While I was lying on the bed, my body started wanting more crack. I knew if I asked my wife for more money to buy some, she wouldn't have let me get it. I knew she would argue about, argue with me about the money, just like we did in the past. I got up, went to my closet, and I got my Ruger 9mm gun. The gun was already loaded, and I walked into the living room where my family was. I started shooting while they were all sitting on the couch. I don't remember who I shot first, but I ran out of bullets. I went back into the bedroom and got another clip and walked into the living room. When I came back into the living room, my daughter Crystal saw me with a gun and she started running away. I chased after her and I shot her. After I shot Crystal, I went back into the bedroom and got my wife's small plastic purse. 
I got into my car and I drove over to a shopping center. I tried to get some money from an ATM machine, but I didn't have the right code. I did not know where I was going to go, so I drove out of the shopping center onto Zang, and then I drove back into the shopping center where the police stopped me. End quote. When Abel was testifying, he claimed that he didn't remember loading the gun, he didn't remember cocking the gun, and he didn't remember walking from the bedroom to the living room, and he claims he doesn't remember shooting the firearm. But he does remember reloading the gun. Abel also claims to not remember giving his confession statement to the police. Alma testified against Abel since she survived. The prosecution asked her if she was able to look at his face when he started shooting. She replied, yes. The, prosecu the prosecution then asked what was the expression on his face. Alma goes on to say it was very mean and very angry. Alma goes on to say he looked very mad and full of anger. Let me cover some backstory. Abel and Cecilia got married in 1993 in December. They had their first daughter named Crystal in 1994. Abel bought the gun he used, but he bought it for protection back in 1995. And in 1997, Abel and Cecilia's relationship took a turn for the worst. Abel found out that Cecilia had a child named Jonathan out of wedlock. What that means is Cecilia had a child with another man when they were not married. When he found out this information, they split for six months. During the separation, he threatened to shoot Cecilia. Alma testified and stated that Abel became very aggressive with Cecilia after he found out she had another child. Abel claims to have put the Jonathan issue behind him and claims that he isn't that isn't why he murdered his family, but the prosecutor on the case claims he shot his family because he felt betrayed and was still angered at the issue. Alma also says that Abel would point the gun at Cecilia's head, and at one point, he pointed the gun at Alma's head three weeks before the murders took place. There is more evidence of Abel's violent past. Cecilia recorded one of their telephone calls, and in the call, he talks about shooting her. For the record, Abel did not have a criminal history before his addiction. When family, friends, and co-workers found out about the murders, people were shocked. People didn't believe he could do this to his family. Abel's attorney presented expert testimony that stated he suffered from mild brain damage from crack cocaine. He claims the shooting was caused by cocaine-induced delirium. His attorney asked the expert on the stand if a cocaine-induced delirium is a medically recognized disease. The doctor stated, yes, it is. The attorney then asked if it is found in the DSM-5 booklet. The expert stated, yes, the DSM-5 is a book that catalogs all the different psychiatric disorders from depression, schizophrenia, addictions, and so on. Different disorders are listed in the booklet and criteria for each disorder are laid out. The doctor goes on to talk about what cocaine-induced delirium is. He states delirium is a very serious mental state provoked by different things. Certainly drugs of abuse can produce a delirium. 
Cocaine is well known to do that. He goes on to say a person is in a position where they aren't as aware of what they're doing. They're irritated, excited, and aggressive. The thinking process changes as well. The expert goes on to state that what happened August 4th was a result of his cocaine addiction. He is not a threat or danger to society as long as he isn't addicted. Obviously, the prosecutor argues the expert's stance. I mean, how could they not? The prosecutor points out that Abel grabbed Cecilia's purse and drove in Cecilia's car to get money out of an ATM. And when he was arrested, police asked him where the gun was and Abel was able to tell them that he left it on the kitchen table. The prosecutor argued that this is a reflection that he recalls where he put the gun at the time of the offense. He also tells police that he did it because he couldn't handle the stress. This was his explanation, his motive. The prosecutor doesn't believe his actions were from being at delirium. They thought it was a matter of anger and rage and partly from the Jonathan problem. Abel was found guilty. It took the jury 10 minutes to deliberate. In 2003, he was sentenced to death. On his execution date, he was given his last statement like every other inmate and he said, I quote, yes, sir, I would like to thank God, my dad, my Lord Jesus, Savior, for saving me and changing my life. I want to apologize to my in-laws for causing all this emotional pain. I love y'all and consider y'all my sisters I never had. I want to thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Warden. End quote. Some of Cecilia's family members went to his execution and he was pronounced dead at 6.48 p.m. Abel was on Texas death row for 17 years and throughout the years he developed a relationship with God and it was said he became a very kind man and tried to change for the better. His victims were Cecilia Ochoa, 32 years old, her children Crystal and Anahi, Crystal was seven and Anahi was nine months old, Cecilia's sister Jacqueline, she was 20 years old, and her father Bartolo, he was 56 years old, and survivor Alma. She was 27 years old at the time of the attack. So what do you think? Would you claim your family member or would you let them be buried in the Captain Joe Bird Cemetery? Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcast. Go follow my Insta and TikTok at lethal underscore podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email at lethal.tcpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for a new case and a new inmate. I'll see you then. All the information used in my podcast came from the following sources. tdcj.texas.gov Texas Tribune article by Jolie Mikolu, TexasPrisonMuseums.org, Houston Chronicle article, article by Carrie Blickinger, Murderpedia, and a Dallas News article by Imelda Garcia. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see y'all next week.